is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast. It has been quite a minute, but as usual, I'm Nate, but today I'm here by myself. Uh, Danny couldn't be here, and I just want to explain, first of all, why there has been an absence. I am, as I've said before, I'm pretty sure I am a college student, and I was having finals that were going on for two to three weeks or something like that. And that completely took over all of my schedule. And really, that's all I was focused on. And I wanted to get that out of the way. And then I said I was going to record right after that. And I just didn't. I didn't have any motivation. And now I'm back. Everything's good. I'm feeling better. We're good to go. And we're going to talk some basketball today. Last episode, we left off with the part one of the season's gradings for every team in the NBA. We started with the Eastern Conference, obviously. And now we're back doing the Western Conference, and clearly a lot has happened in the span of time that I have been gone. We are now in the finals. Game 1 just happened on Friday. I mean Thursday, not Friday. And yeah, we saw the Celtics go up one nothing, And obviously it's a huge time for basketball. It's quite a eventful time for me to be gone. But oh well, we are back and we are going to continue like nothing ever happened. So... Obviously, the Warriors beat the Mavericks. The Celtics beat the Heat game seven. That was crazy. Jimmy Butler's shot. I just want to talk about that really quick. Jimmy Butler's shot. What he took, I have no problem with it. Just because I know a lot of people have a very different opinion on the matter. But he earned the right to have that shot. They wouldn't have even been there without him. And if you think that Heat team was winning in overtime against the Celtics, you're just you're kidding yourself because that team was so tired and they could barely last the end of regulation, hence why they lost. If Jimmy Butler didn't take that shot, they weren't going to win the game. So you have to live and die with that shot. Jimmy Butler's their best player. He's had a fantastic series, fantastic all-playoffs, and they lost, and that's the end of that's the end of it, and you have to live with it. So now we have the Warriors and Celtics in the finals, but before we get into that, we are going to do the part two of our season's gradings, and we are doing the Western Conference, starting off with the Dallas Mavericks. But before we get into the Mavericks, I am just going to explain that in the last episode, I was not able to really judge the team's entire season because the playoffs had not really started or progressed at all. And so, even though I wasn't able to do that for the last episode in the Eastern Conference teams, Now that we are in the NBA Finals, regardless of who wins, the Warriors or the Celtics, both of those teams are A-pluses at this point regardless. And, yeah, so I'm going to take into playoff consideration for the Western Conference teams. Now, the Mavericks, it's got to be at least like an A-, minus, an A, probably an A. I don't think anyone in their right mind at this uh, season start would have predicted the Dallas Mavericks to make the conference finals, but they did. And a lot of that is due, if not all of it, is due to one man, and that man is Luka Doncic. Possibly my favorite player in the NBA now. I don't understand how this guy does what he does, and it's all pure skill. I don't know if I've seen a player that is just purely skill that's dominated this heavily in my existence on this earth. I don't think I've ever watched someone that is dominated with just pure skill. 
He doesn't do it with his athleticism. He's not going to get by people with his quickness all the time. It's his craftiness. He's way quicker than a lot of guys give him credit for, but it's also his smarts and his knowledge of when to do what and reading the defense. You can see him out there. He's like a quarterback, but he's also the best scorer on his team as well. He's possibly a top-five scorer in the NBA. I'd definitely argue that right now at the moment. Luka's just ridiculous. He's proved himself as probably a top-five player uh, this season after this playoff run, beating the um, Phoenix Suns, who were in the finals last year. No small feat. I think almost everybody had the Suns as favorites in that series. I, for one, did not because I've had this belief in Luka Doncic forever. I've been a Luka fan and I believed in Lucas since he came out of the draft. I thought he should have been the number one pick. We're not going to talk about that, though, um, because the Suns are going to possibly lose that number one pick who was uh, instead of Luka. But, again, not talking about that right now. We're on the Mavericks. The Mavericks have to be an A. They really turned the season around with Jason Kidd from last year. They were such a good defensive team. Kidd really knew what he was doing with that team defensively. Dory Finney-Smith had a fantastic season. There's a bunch of players. Jalen Brunson had a breakout year. Spencer Dinwiddie, who was awful with the Wizards early on, came to Dallas and was absolutely fantastic and one of their best players. Frank Nilakina does not get enough praise. That man is an absolutely elite defender. Him and Reggie Bullock, two former Knicks, that helped out the Mavericks a lot in the playoffs. And really, I think that if Reggie Bullock had not missed almost every single shot in one game in the Warrior series... The Mavericks could have tied it up and the series could have gone differently. I don't know. It's not Luka's fault. The Mavericks overachieved as it is. Making the conference finals is a great step for this young team and they're only getting better. So for the Mavericks, definitely an A. Next team we have up in the Western Conference is going to be the Denver Nuggets. Another team led by an absolutely fantastic European player. This obviously being Nikola Jokic who won back-to-back MVPs this year. And for the Nuggets, I'm going to go and give them a B plus, mainly due to the fact that they were still a very solid team. They made the playoffs as the sixth seed. They lost to the Warriors in five games, as many expected them to get obliterated by the Warriors. They obviously just didn't match up. It was pretty much Nikola Jokic against Golden State. Without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray all season, still making the playoffs as the sixth seed and being a competitive team, I think it goes to show how amazing Nikola Jokic is and what a good coach Mike Malone is, really. Because they stood afloat. They still had some really good contributions from guys off the bench and guys that hadn't had as big roles in the past. Monte Morris had a really good season. Will Barton played very well. DeMarcus Cousins came in at uh, halfway point-ish towards the season. He was very good for them for some time. And really, they just had a few guys that stepped up. Even with that, though, however, Nikola Jokic really didn't have much help compared to any other playoff team. Take Nikola Jokic off that roster. I think they might be the worst playoff team out of any other team if you take their best player off of them. You take off Steph from the Warriors, they're still a solid team. You take off Luka from the Mavericks, they're probably not a solid team. I feel like Luka and Jokic have a very similar role in the fact that everything runs through them. If they don't have a good game, their team's not going to have a good game. You see with the Celtics, obviously, that when they Jason Tatum won't have a good game. So when you take him away from the team, they're still a competent team. You look at other guys. You take Giannis off the Bucks. They're not great. They're still a competent team. They won a couple games without him during the regular season. 
The Grizzlies, without John Morant, obviously had a great record without him. There's other teams in the playoffs that had significant help around him and that were more of a solid all-around roster than what the Nuggets were because, really, Nikola Jokic didn't have any legitimate other scoring option. He was the number one scoring option. He was their number one playmaker. He was their number one rebounder. He did everything for the team. And for as much as Nikola Jokic could have done, taking them to the first round, at least taking a game away from the Warriors, it isn't horrible. And I think you have to at least look at it this season as they didn't take too much of a step backwards. And next year they will get reimbursed with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. See, It's interesting to see what they will do with that if Michael Porter does get moved. But regardless, getting uh, whoever they get for Michael Porter or getting Michael Porter back and getting Jamal Murray back, is going to be huge so they didn't get much worse they had an all right season it wasn't bad they made the playoffs and Nikola Jokic won back-to-back MVPs so I think that goes to show something because Nikola Jokic is just incredible and his individual season gives them a B at least by himself I feel like so yeah a B plus for the Nuggets is what I feel is right next team up we have is the finals contender right now Golden State Warriors like I said earlier in the video, them and Boston are both easily A pluses. Golden State bounced back from last season where they lost in the play-in. And, yeah, the Warriors just are looking back to their dynasty ways. Clay Thompson has returned this season. He gets better and better within each game. And I think it just goes to show how strong their core is and their management re Replenishing their roster, Andrew Wiggins has been fantastic throughout the playoffs for the most part. We're going to talk about him later. And the Warriors in general have just been great. They've had so many guys step up. I'm going to talk more about the Warriors in a bit because I do want to talk about the finals. And yeah, Otto Porter stepped up and had a great season. They still didn't have James Wiseman, who hopefully they'll get back next year. Draymond was an all-star again this season. Steph had another fantastic season, even though he did shoot career lows. He started off the year tremendously well, and he's still Steph Curry. It wasn't like he had a bad season. The Warriors back in the finals this year again, making their sixth appearance in eight years. Yeah, they're just... The Warriors are incredible this season, and there's a good chance they win another ring this year and make that four on Steph, Clay, and Dre's career. So we'll see where that goes, but regardless, it's an A+. They turned the season from an eight seed, not even an eight seed, losing in the play-in to being a finals team again, just showing their resilience and ability to bounce back. That's Golden State basketball, and their season, again, A+. Next up, we have a team that is very not much like the Golden State Warriors. Actually, a team that the Golden State Warriors played years ago in the Western Conference Finals. Difference now is one is the top of the conference and one is at the bottom. The Houston Rockets are the team that we have up next. The Rockets, I'm going to be a little generous, I think, maybe. I don't... I don't really know because there was expectations for the Rockets that were essentially not there. There just weren't any expectations for them. They were kind of expected to be bad. And boy, were they bad. Jalen Green had an alright rookie season, even though I do not think in any way, shape, or form that he should have made the all-rookie first team over Josh Giddy. That is robbery. That is almost as bad as, almost as, bad as when R.J. Barrett was 
robbed of all of the rookie teams. I think the voting is so trash. I mean, we could go on about this forever. Hopefully they make it positionless because obviously Joel Embiid made the second team. That That's a, it's quite a quite a thing that happened. Well, obviously Joel had an all-NBA first team type of season, but because he's the center and so is Jokic, he's not allowed to be on the whatever. They're bullshit. The voting sucks. I don't, I'm not a fan of the voting. If I'm ever able to vote for the NBA, I will make sure that none of this shit takes place, even though I'd get, like, one vote, so I can't actually, would never be able to control that. But anyways, the Houston Rockets were not good. Christian Wood is wasting the first years of his prime, essentially, in Houston, rotting away, doing nothing. Hopefully they trade him. Uh, probably going to give the Rockets about a C-, and I think that's fair, because they were bad. They have the what is it, third pick in the draft? They have a top three pick. That's cool. I mean, they were probably hoping for the first or second, but they'll get most likely one of Chet, Jabari, or Paolo. So that'll be good to add to their young core. The biggest L the Rockets are taking right now in this season is essentially the fact that they're paying John Wall $43 million to do nothing but sit on the bench and pick his nose. Uh, yeah, they should probably do something about that and just be willing to pay him out because at this point, having him on your roster is just taking up a roster spot, and yeah, he doesn't want to be there. Figure something out, get John Wall off your team, and then maybe you would have gotten like a C, C+. But the Rockets are really bad. There weren't many bright spots at all, to be honest. KPJ had an up-and-down season. He finished relatively well. Relatively strong finish to the season for KPJ, Kevin Ford Jr. And I don't know. I just don't like how the backcourt of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green looks going forward. They're essentially two players that do the same thing. They're score-first, very athletic guards who are heavily reliant on their first step. And neither of them are great playmakers, but they are being forced into playmaking roles at times. The Rockets are really weird. I'm not a fan of what they're doing. I don't think that Jalen Green is ever going to be a player that is a number one or two option on a championship team. Maybe a number two, but I just don't think he has that it factor. He's just very overconfident, and his defense is scarily bad. It's like Trey Young bad. But yeah, so we're going to give the Rockets a C-ish. If you want to give them a C, go for it. doesn't really matter. The Rockets sucked. The next team we have up is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers had a really, really good season despite everything and all their circumstances that were going on. Obviously, they lost Paul George relatively early into the season after he had started off extremely hot. Reggie Jackson was their best player for the majority of the season, and he shot 39% from the field. Despite all of that, Isaiah Hartenstein had a great great season off the bench. I thought he was one of the better six-man-of-the-year candidates who did not get nearly enough love as he should have. And yeah, the Clippers made the playoffs almost as the ninth seed, and they were able to even get the ninth seed and have a winning record of 42-40 and 40 without Paul George most of the season, without Kawhi. They traded for Norman Powell, and Norman Powell was injured as soon as he got there, essentially. And they still made the play-in, and they, they were actually very solid. They were the ninth seed and played the eight-seeded Timberwolves in the first game of the play-in. So that 
obviously did not go as planned. Paul George had 34 points, but they did lose to Minnesota. And then they would go on to play the Pelicans. But this is where everything went downhill. And their season essentially got robbed by the NBA. Paul George got ruled out because of COVID protocols and was not able to play against the Pelicans. We know the Pelicans played the Suns in the first round, and that would be that. They lost to the Pelicans. But despite all of that and all the bullshit they had to face and deal with during the season, I give the Clippers a B plus definitely because for everything that they had, it's about the best they could do. They they maximized their roster. That team really had no business looking at it going to the playoffs without Paul George, which they didn't have most of the season. So again, I just think the Clippers are on great track. They'll get Kawhi back next season. Paul George will be fully healthy. Norman Powell's coming back. They have a really solid roster, and it's much better than it used to be. Uh, Luke Kennard is a very, very underrated player. Reggie Jackson will be better off the bench. They could end up looking at getting a point guard, which I think could make them real, real threats. That's, I think, their piece that they're missing is a point guard to take some of the pressure of ball handling off of the forwards, a.k.a. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But we'll see what they do. But for this season, the B-plus, I think, is good for the Clippers. They really surpassed expectations for me, at least, especially after Paul George went down. Next up, we have... (laughs) Excuse my Ewok noises. But the next team up we have is the Los Angeles Lakers, the shit show of the NBA, the dumpster fire of the league. The absolute epitome of garbage. I don't I don't care. I hate the Lakers. I hate Laker fans. They're so annoying. I'm so glad that they crumbled like this because of how annoying their fans are and how much they don't shut the fuck up ever. And now finally they have something to shut the fuck up about because their team was god-awful. Russell Westbrook was maybe the most unbearable player to watch in the NBA this season. I don't understand how... I, I really... I'm not even just trying to hate. Like, look, I understand Westbrook has been a great player. He's had a great career. He still has never won shit and he'll never be a winning player, and he never has been a winning player. But I'm not going to make that argument right now. Russell Westbrook, multiple, multiple occasions this season, hit the top of the backboard on pull-up mid-range jump shots. That's something my ass would have done in, like, fifth grade, like, recreational basketball. Not a 10-time NBA All-Star or whatever he is, and someone who's supposed to be one of the best point guards in the NBA. Like, I get missing, like, we have some brick people airball. NBA players do that. They're humans. I don't... Where are you shooting the ball, Russell? Where are you shooting it that you are aiming at the top of the backboard? Like, why is that happening? That's, that shouldn't ever happen. It's, it's not a thing that NBA players should do. Even maybe an NBA player, but like rookie Blake Griffin type shit. Or like Kevin Knox or someone that's just ass. Drew Eubanks. Not Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not as bad as he made himself look this season, but he just looked fucking terrible. He had no, no chemistry with LeBron and Anthony Davis, which... Anthony Davis wasn't really on the court, so it didn't matter anyways. But him and LeBron would essentially just take turns with the ball. They had no real offense. Trevor Ariza's old as shit. Uh, Kent Bazemore needs to stop playing basketball. Carmelo played half the season and was good, but Melo is 37, now 38. Should not be your second scoring option. 
Anthony Davis, I don't know what the hell happened to him. The dude can't stay healthy. We all know this. And Anthony Data Davis is truly a thing because the dude plays two games and gets hurt. I don't think I've ever seen someone other than maybe Mitchell Robinson get injured every single time they touch the court. Every game this dude is at least down once with a fucking ailment or something, a ticky-tack injury or something that keeps him out It shouldn't. Mitchell Robinson falls, gets back up, limps for a few minutes, and then he's fine. Anthony Davis does what Mitchell Robinson does, but then he's out for three months. I'm not saying that he can control this or anything, but it's a problem. It really, It's a problem. You can't say it's not a problem. The Lakers were title favorites at the beginning of the season, along with the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, that, that went well. That went really, really well. Everyone who thought that was really smart and uh, completely accurate now. But... As I said, the Lakers sucked this season. I'm going to give the Lakers a D-. minus. Uh, they didn't make the play-in even. They were the 11th seed in the West. The Knicks had a better record than them. That's sad. The Knicks have Julius Randle. The Lakers don't have Julius Randle. That should automatically make the Lakers better than the Knicks. Not to mention they had LeBron. And I get that LeBron didn't play the whole season, but even when they had LeBron, LeBron just... LeBron did LeBron. He put up all those stats. It's not like he contributed to winning much. I mean, he sometimes forced them to winning. It's not like LeBron had anything to do other than just shoot the ball because he had no help. I can't name anyone on that Lakers roster that is a legitimate, even close to a starter on any other team other than the Lakers. Uh, Austin Reeves started games for them, I think, at some points. Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves actually had a really, really nice game at the end of the season. I will give him that. But Austin Reeves is not an NBA starter, especially for someone that's supposed to be a contender and title favorite. The Lakers the Lakers suck. I hope they continue to suck. If you're a Lakers fan watching this, I don't care. Fuck you. Uh, yeah. But um, it's not that serious, so don't cry about it. And, yeah, D-. minus. The next team we have up is an actual good basketball team, unlike the last one, and uh, it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies obviously had a great season this year. Surprised, I think, pretty much everyone. They were the second seed in the entire Western Conference. I don't think anyone was uh, expecting that from them at all. John Moran obviously took an, a massively large leap and one most improved player, as we know. But the Grizzlies, without Jaws, is also what is so impressive. Including the playoffs, which they made it to the second round where they lost to the now-in-the-finals Warriors, as we know. They were 21-6, and including the playoffs, as I said, without John Morant this season. I think it goes to show how good the rest of their roster is and how good their young core is. Brandon Clark had some great games, especially in the playoffs. Desmond Bain, another guy that could have easily won that Most Improved Player award. Dylan Brooks is a really coming into his own. He's a great, confident player. Every guy or every team needs a guy like that who's really going to be the heart and soul of your team. And they got a little cocky, but it happens with young teams. I really don't like what they did with grittying on the Timberwolves logo after the game. I think it's just stupid and childish, especially when it's just a first-round series. I know it was to get back at the Wolves for what they did because they were also being childish. But just be the bigger guys, be the bigger team, and move on. 
And, yeah, they lost to the Warriors, but the whole team was really great all season. Jaron Jackson had a defensive player of the year type season. Even though he didn't win it, he made the all-defensive team. And, yeah, all around the Grizzlies were just fantastic. Uh, Grizzly, for me, is an A-, minus, no doubt. Possibly an A. It really doesn't matter for me. A, A-, minus. the Grizzlies had a great season. Next team up, we have another team that surprised a lot of people this year, that being the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves were a very solid team this year, and the big thing with them is their defense that took a large turnaround. D'Angelo Russell improved vastly at that end, even though he was very inconsistent on the offensive end. Patrick Beverly, as much hate as he gets, played a huge role in their success and being a leader for them, as well as a defensive stopper and a guy that galvanized the entire side of the ball on that end really the Wolves were not expected to be a playoff team I think by most people at the beginning of the season they won the play-in games and they made the seven seed and played the Grizzlies in the first round they took them to 60 games but obviously as we know they blew quite a few amount of leads in that series Cat said we in Minnesota now and uh alrighty they were in Minnesota they got blown out after he said that and would go on to lose the series in six games and then get their logo absolutely disrespected by John Morant. But that's that. Uh, I think that Chris Finch is a great coach for their team. D'Angelo Russell needs to get moved in the offseason. Uh, that's the reality of things. His shot creation or his shot selection and shot making in the playoffs really just killed them. And Anthony Edwards and Carl Towns should be exciting going forward, but I would like to see a lot more improvement on the maturity end from Carl Towns and just see him be more of a dog and a leader than he is. They're a young team and they have a lot to grow. Um, I think the Timberwolves, again, another team that gets a B-plus, A-minus-ish, but uh, I think I'm more leading towards a B-plus with the Timberwolves. Next team here we have up are the New Orleans Pelicans, and man, they are a fun young team to watch. And when they get Zion back, they could be a very scary team for years to come. Since acquiring C.J. McCollum, the Pelicans went on a run and were very, very good at the end of the season. They made it from all the way from the bottom of the standings to eventually being the eighth seed, winning the play-in game against the Spurs, and then beating, obviously, the Clippers, like I said before, without Paul George. When it came to the first round, most people expected the Suns to handily get rid of the Pelicans, sweep them maybe even. A lot of people thought that. But the Pelicans just simply did not want to go away. C.J. McCollum was great all series. Brandon Ingram had been going off for most of the series. It really came down to the end of the day that the Suns were just more talented. They beat them in six games, but the, even taking two games from the Suns as a really young Pelicans team, Jose Alvarado gave Chris Paul trouble all series. God, I love that guy. He's really just hard not to root for. If you don't like Jose Alvarado, something's wrong with you. He's just got heart, and he plays... He plays with 110% every minute of the game. And that that Pelicans team really just has something special in that young core with Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and uh, with Zion coming back potentially, Jose Alvarado. They've just got a lot of good guys, and they should be back next year hopefully and even better than before. But they were just 36-46 and in the regular season. They had no business being there, but there they were. They took two games from the number one seeded Suns, and I think that just shows the heart and the talent that this New Orleans Pelicans young team has. 
going to give them uh, a B-plus for the season because they did start off bad, but it's really not about how you start off. It's about how you finish. And for what they had and for all the tools that they had at their expense and their roster talent, Willie Green's a great coach, and I think a B-plus is definitely what the Pelicans deserve for this season. Next team up we have is going to be a quick one. I'm really just going to give them a C-plus. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder, a rebuilding team. They were about as bad as I expected them to be, but that's not even just because they were trying to win games as a young team. They were deliberately tanking so hard. Shea didn't play a lot. Lou Dort got shut down early uh, due to injury. They were just... They played the worst players they had as much as they could, essentially. They were a bad team. They now have the number two pick in the draft. They're on good track to do what they want to do. They weren't a good team by any means. They were fucking horrible. But they did what they wanted to do and essentially just tank. And, yeah, I'm not going to give anything more than a C-plus for tanking, but a C-plus is fair. They didn't do anything wrong except play basketball well, which is a big thing that factors into this. But, uh, yeah, that. The next team up we have is one of the more disappointing teams come playoff time. This is another one of those teams that it's big factoring in the fact that the playoffs are now over. Their grade would have been much better had it been before the playoffs, but we are now taking into consideration the playoff performances as it is a different time of year. The Pelicans beat the Suns almost in the first round. That's all I got to say, is I think from there, that's when my faith in the Suns went out the window. The Suns had a great season in the regular season. They looked like they were going to be potentially back in the finals and have a cakewalk. Not really a cakewalk, but a relatively easy walk to the finals other than the Warriors. That just wasn't the case. They were absolutely obliterated by Luka Doncic and the Mavericks in the second round. Didn't make it back to the finals. Chris Paul's chance at a championship may be very much so closing in its window of opportunity very soon. And, yeah, I think it's just a very big waste of the season. DeAndre Ayton might end up leaving because Robert Sarver, who's an awful owner and one of the biggest cheapskates in sports, will probably not want to pay DeAndre Ayton even though they should because he's irreplaceable for that team. People like to say he can be replaced because he just gets blocks and he's a rim runner and he gets rebounds DeAndre Ayton isn't even really a good shot blocker to the people who I see saying that all the time he's more of a talented defender and guy that just knows where to be he doesn't jump at a lot but his ability to move and take mid-range jump shots and he just fits in with that Phoenix Suns team so well they need to keep him if they don't I don't see the Suns ever getting back to where they were two years or a year ago because Chris Paul's getting older, and then they'll be left with just Devin Booker once again, which is how it was before Chris Paul, and those years weren't too good. Devin Booker was the All-NBA first team this year, even though he had a great, great season. I think he didn't deserve it over Ja or Steph, but second team, All-NBA regardless, in my opinion, what he should have made. He had a great season. The Suns did not finish well. For that, I got to give him a B. They were expected to be that good in the regular season. And then come playoff time, they fell apart, and that's really what brings them down. So the Phoenix Suns are a B for this season.
The next team we have up is a very weird one, or it's it's interesting because this is a hard team to really grade. It's the Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, they didn't come close to the playoffs. They didn't get a super high pick. They fell to number seven. And really, it's hard to grade them on anything because their whole season was supposed... They were supposed to contend or beat, not contenders, but contend for a playoff spot, at least, was their goals. And Dame, who obviously wasn't playing very good to start the season, was then out for the whole season with abdominal pain or uh, problems with that that required uh, attention. So he did not play. As we know, C.J. McCollum was traded, and they started a rebuild. They started their rebuild relatively late in the season, and to still not have a bad pick isn't awful. But they weren't good, and it showed they did not have a great first season under Chauncey Billups as his first year as a coach. But I don't think that it means that they're screwed for the future. But they also got rid of Norman Powell for questionable pieces. They traded Robert Covington also for questionable pieces. And so, to be honest, I got to give the Trailblazers a C-. minus. They just didn't really do anything great. The best thing they did all season long was acquire Josh Hart. And uh, I like Josh Hart, but that's not exactly uh, a highlight of a season for a team to be their best highlight or best, biggest bright spot. So, yeah, C- minus for the Portland Trailblazers. Get well soon, Dame. And Dame might not even be on the Blazers next time he plays an NBA game. Okay. I don't want to talk about this team because no NBA franchise infuriates me more other than my own team, the Knicks, than the Sacramento Kings. I am convinced that the Sacramento Kings just try to be the worst basketball franchise ever. They just try to suck repeatedly over and over and over again. We all thought that the Sacramento Kings were probably going to trade De'Aaron Fox at the deadline if anyone was traded. No one thought that Halliburton was going to be gone. Everyone, from what the Kings were saying, he was untouchable. And then they go and trade him for DeMontis Sabonis who is such a useless player when it comes to winning basketball games. He is a talented player. I am sorry. He is not going to help any team win. He is a ball-dominant four. He can't play the five because he's not good at defense. He can't laterally guard fours. He's too big. He isn't a great ball handler. He's a solid passer. He's essentially Nikola Jokic, but ten times worse at everything. He can't shoot well. He's a good mid-range shooter, but he can't stretch the floor like that from three. And they're expecting him and De'Aaron Fox to now somehow bring Sacramento a championship, and they're looking to potentially trade their fourth overall pick for a win-now veteran Sacramento. What are you doing? I, I, don't, I don't get it. Regardless, like, there's no way to justify any of the moves that they're making. Wanting to win now, you had a... You just draft more point guards, and then you trade your point guards, and then you try to win, and then you don't win, and now you're going to probably trade Davion Mitchell once he becomes good. So I don't even know what to say. There's no hope for you guys. I know that the Kings fans don't really exist, so it's okay that I'm going on this rant. And that's uh, that's about it, really. I, D minus. The Kings are fucking terrible. Such an incompetent franchise, and time and time again, they even shock me more with how dumb... They are. I cannot with the Sacramento Kings. Next up, we have the San Antonio Spurs. Again, not a team that I have too much to say about. They lost in the play-in as the 10 seed. And, yeah. That's pretty much it. 
Like, I don't really know what else there is to say about them. They lost, They were an okay team. DeJounte Murray had a really good season, and that's about it. He was really the only notable thing for the Spurs this season, I guess, other than maybe Keldon Johnson. It's sad that Pop's going to probably go out like this with the Super Mids team. That's just not really anywhere but stuck in man no man's land. They traded Derek White for Josh Richardson at the trade deadline. I guess that was kind of a move that didn't really do much. Uh, yeah. It was really essentially, in essence, not having to pay Derek White anymore. And now the Celtics have him in there in the finals. So, uh, C for the Spurs. They're kind of just really average and boring. I, I should mention boring because they used to be boring and good. Now they're just boring and they kind of suck, but they're also not the worst. So now they're just boring and mids the next team up we have is another just boring team the utah jazz i don't really think that anyone watches jazz games for fun um it's kind of just pick and roll with donovan mitchell and rudy gobert and then donovan mitchell just ignores rudy gobert and does some dumb shit um i like donovan mitchell please come to the knicks if you're uh, watching this i i love you um i actually shook your hand once i don't you don't remember me but i shook your hand and um yeah, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, until something happens with one of them getting moved, I don't think anything gets better for that team. Uh, yeah, they made the playoffs and lost in the first round, as per usual. It's every fucking year. It's it's stupid at this point. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, this team is not working blow it up or just continue being average and losing in the first round every every single year since Gordon Hayward and uh not literally every single year but essentially every year it seems they lose in the first round never make it past the second round and yeah they're just not good enough to do anything they're such a bad defensive team which is funny because they used to be a pretty good defensive team when Rudy Gobert is your second best perimeter defender, it's a problem. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to give the Jazz a B-. And that's going to wrap it up for the NBA team gradings. Part 1 was done, obviously, a few weeks ago. Now Part 2, the Jazz were our last team. But now I want to go into something else. Obviously, as we know, Celtics obviously took Game 1 after the Warriors were leading for a majority of the second half. <sighs> Let's just start off with the fact that I don't want the Celtics to win this. I just can't stand Boston fans. Boston fans are the only thing I hate more than Lakers fans, I think. I'm not trying to go at people because I don't want people to hate me, but like a lot of Boston fans, I'm not going to say majority because I know that there's good fans. There are good people everywhere. Not everyone is just what the majority of people are. But a lot of Boston fans are just obnoxious assholes. And a lot of them are racist, too. I think a lot of you know that. But I just can't stand to see another Boston championship in sport. I lived in Massachusetts as a Knicks fan and Yankees fan uh, for three Boston championships, if not more, actually, because the Patriots won multiple rings in that time span. I believe so. Whatever. I've seen the Patriots win. I've seen the Red Sox win. I've seen the Celtics win. I have also seen the Bruins win. In Boston. Living in Boston. 
and or around Boston, and all of the Boston fans are just it was ridiculous. I couldn't get away from it. It was constantly up in my face. I didn't even like sports at the time, and people were still trying to shut talk shit to me and rub things in my face. I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Shut up. Anyways, the Boston Celtics obviously in the finals right now. Jason Tatum had a terrible first game as he's had a couple times in the playoffs. He's either been terrific or awful, it seems. But Tatum did have 13 assists in his first ever finals game, which was incredible. His playmaking ability really is just so underrated. And my X factor for this series going into it was Jordan Poole. I said this to whoever I talked to. Obviously, I haven't been active on social media, but Jordan Poole was my X-Factor for this series, and we saw in Game 1, I thought a lot of it was going to depend on if Jordan Poole could come in and really drive and bring the penetration that he's been able to do all offseason, or all playoffs, postseason, and he wasn't able to do it against Boston, which was one of my big concerns. Their defense is just too good. They have five guys in the court at all times who are good defenders, if not elite defenders. Every single one of Boston's starting five received a Defensive Player of the Year vote. That someone voted Jalen Brown for Defensive Player of the Year somehow, I, I don't know, but they did. And there's no weakness for anyone on the Warriors to attack, which really creates a lot of holes, hence why Steph's shooting in the first quarter was so important. When Steph's making shots, it makes everything harder, but Steph stopped shooting as much and wasn't making as many shots after the first quarter. He finished the game with 34 points after having 21 in the first quarter with six threes. I don't know. It's really just the fact that I think the Celtics have so many, so many players that can create shots. Derek White. Derek White is not hitting five threes again, and Al Horford's not hitting six threes again is the problem. I don't think that Boston wins this series still. I'm still sticking with my gut, which was my original pick. I have the Warriors winning in six games. I just think that in order for the Warriors to lose, they're going to have to consistently Boston is going to consistently have to shoot an incredibly high percentage, which I don't think is going to happen every game. Draymond obviously isn't an offensive superstar, as we know. He shot 2 for 12, which was terrible. I don't think Draymond shoots 12 times even again, and I don't think he shoots that bad again. Even with that, he was only a minus 1. As I said, with Jordan Poole being the X-Factor, Jordan Poole had a team low plus-minus of minus 29. He just didn't do anything. He was 2-for-7, only took 7 shots on the night, was 1-for-5 from 3. He couldn't get anything he wanted, any of the looks. He couldn't get anything going. He hit top of the backboard on his final shot of one of the quarters. And, yeah, Otto Porter also looked pretty good, 4-for-5 from 3, but he was a negative 18. He really kind of just looked lost out there on the defensive end for whatever reason because Otto Porter's been a pretty good defender in the past, but he really just looked kind of lost game 1. I don't know what the problem was, really. It was honestly the fact that I think the Celtics just played so damn well at the end of the game. I don't think that the Warriors could have done much other than maybe just make as many shots as the Celtics did, which was just very hard. Derek White has been very, very good for a lot of the playoffs, and he continued that strong performance. When Jason Tatum shoots 17% from the field, though, and this Celtics still win is my very big... It's my dilemma I'm having here because I don't know what's going to happen because although I don't think the Warriors lose by the two not snipers, not guys known as sharpshooters in Derek White and Al Horford hitting a combined 11 threes, I don't see that happening again, but I also don't see Jason Tatum shooting three for 17 again. 
So it's really just going to be a big... I think most of these games are going to come down to the wire. It's going to be a very close series. Still sticking with Warriors in six. But Jordan Poole's got to find a way to get going. And I think that would open up so much for the Warriors. Because when Steph wasn't in the game and he picked up two quick fouls, it was very hard for the Warriors to get going. The Warriors' offense mostly came from Steph Curry, especially in the first quarter, and that was their best quarter offensively, but it just dropped off from there. Al Horford, absolutely dominant. Jalen Brown, again, continued his performance in the fourth quarter. He was absolutely fantastic. He put up 24 points. But again, like I said, I don't think Al Horford and Derek White are doing what they just did again. It's just not going to happen. If it does, fuck me, I guess I'm wrong, but I just don't see that happening again. So Jason Tatum's going to have to step up, and if Jason Tatum can step up, I think the Celtics are definitely still have a chance at taking control of the series. If the Celtics take Game 2, I think the Celtics win the series, unfortunately. I don't see the Warriors coming back from losing two straight at home, going back to the Garden in Boston. It's going to be very difficult, but I mean the Warriors have lost uh, a 3-1 lead. Maybe they can come back from a 2-0 lead if that happens. I don't know. The Warriors are going to be putting themselves in a very difficult situation if they do not win their second game at home, which we will see, obviously, uh, when this is uploaded will be the night uh, night of. So we're going to be seeing shortly after this whether the Celtics take a 2-0 lead or not. And if you are listening to this by the time that they have played, then yeah, the Celtics have either tied up the series, or the Warriors have either tied up the series, or the Celtics have gone up 2-0, and I'm going to have to deal with potentially more Boston fans screaming in my ear, which will be uh, fantastic. Yeah, um, really just Draymond not shooting 2 for 12, Jordan Poole has to get going, and the Warriors just have to stay more consistent and play more aggressive. They kind of looked like they were almost lackadaisical in the second half at times, after losing uh, the momentum, but they can't get their heads down and they have to keep going and just uh, Steve Kerr's got to keep his guys together and make sure that they're running plays and because they're not just going to beat this Celtics team by running and gunning. You have to make them move, make them work. It's very hard with right now because Marcus Smart and the guys on the Celtics are so good at navigating through screens. Marcus Smart does that better than anyone in the entire NBA, but the Warriors aren't able to run their usual offense to the best of their abilities. Andrew Wiggins shot two for seven from three, and the Warriors just didn't shoot nearly as good from three as they usually do. Clay shot okay, and yeah, they weren't awful, but it certainly wasn't great. They shot 42% from three, but when the Celtics shoot 21 for 41, there's not much that you can do about it because it's 50%. Even if you shoot 40%, 50% from three is a... It's insane, quite frankly, especially when you have Derek White and Al Horford on the team shooting 11 or making 11 threes combined. Al Horford's career high in playoffs or the regular season in threes made in a game. If you let that happen again, then yeah, the Celtics are probably going to win. Do I think that happens again? No. So I think that Golden State bounces back and takes game two and will eventually win it in five or six. If not, then we have a really big... uh, deficit for the Warriors to overcome here and potentially look forward to them trying to make a comeback, which they haven't really had to do before in the finals. They've been in the lead for most of the time when they won it. And uh, yeah, we've never seen them come back and win it, so maybe they can do that this year if they go down.
But anyways, my prediction is Golden State in six. And yeah, I'm back. Hopefully regular uploads now uh, every week, Fridays. And if not I more, hopefully I can do two episodes a week, if not all the time, at least sometimes. And I hope that you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Booming Basketball Podcast. As always, have a good one. I'm Nate. Peace out.